Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben Brandell. And today we are going to be talking about this kind of odd time of year for hunters. Deer season is over. It's been over for about a month here where we live. Fishing really hasn't picked up yet. What can we be doing out in our hunting locations and on our properties that is going to make us more successful next year, that is going to make our wildlife, our deer, healthier between now and next season. There's a lot of things that we can be doing. We're going to be discussing several of those today, but before we get started, we need to give thanks. So I actually was playing basketball the other day. Got hurt pretty bad and took. I didn't realize until this accident that um, I am so thankful for the physical movement that I have within my body that, that uh, I can get up and down out of bed on my own. I can move, jump, play, run, kick, hike, like... You know, all the things that we're about to talk about requires movement, and I'm just so um, fortunate to be able to to move my body. Yeah, I was there. Didn't exactly see what happened, um, but I could see the shock on everybody's face that, that did. Um, you from losing consciousness and not being able to move your body and mm-hmm. just watching you the last couple of days as a concussed ex-athlete trying yeah. to fight through it and, and see the pain. Um, so yeah, it is scary. At any moment, we can lose not only our lives, but lose our lives as we know it. Still be alive here on, on Earth in this earthly world, but not have the capabilities that we had just moments before. I've had some terrible injuries in my life, and that is a thought that always comes to me after it happens. was like, man, 10 seconds ago, I was good. Now I'm not. It is a wild feeling, a wild thing to remember because we take for granted that we wake up and put our shoes on and do all these normal things every day. But simple as breaking a finger, then you realize how much you use that finger. That's true. What I'm thankful for is modern day shelter. And I'm talking about our houses. I mean, even our simplest, smallest houses that we have here in the U.S. today are amazing shelters. We have been getting some wicked weather. I'm talking 100 mile per hour winds, knocking trees over, flipping over everybody's decorations in their yard, trash cans blowing all over neighborhoods, lots of damage. Then we get days like today, it's 72 degrees and sunny. Mm-hmm. In just a couple days, we're supposed to get three inches of snow. We don't have to even think about preparing for that because we live really in comfort. Mm-hmm. And and I use that word lightly because if you have a place that you can lay down and sleep at night and not even think about the thunderstorm that's coming through, that's comfort. And my goodness, I have taken it for granted most of my life. But lately, because my house has been leaking a little bit and I've been having to patch up some of these things, it's kind of really brought up this this thought of, man, it ain't a big deal to have a little water leaking. And if I had to build a shelter or just have a tarp out there, I would be soaked, I would be cold, and I wouldn't sleep. But I laid down and I slept and I'm healthy this morning because we have amazing shelters. Yeah, I mean, they told us that these strong storms are coming through the night and they told us to batten down the hatches. And I think most people did. They, you know, they, they took the, they took caution and, mm-hmm. and did what they needed to do. But you can't control everything. All of the trees outside, just the limbs alone. I mean, they've impacted a lot of people. I even drove by and saw some subdivisions where trees had fallen over the road, and you, you couldn't get in and out of that subdivision. And so, um, we we can 
plan ahead. We can prepare as much as we can, but at the end of the day, God is in control. Mother Nature, which is created by God, is going to come through from God, and we can't stop it. And it is so amazing that we have structures, we're smart enough that we have built that do protect us and give us some security so that we can sleep through it all. That is awesome. Even with the awesome shelters that we have, (laughs) our houses, I was uneasy the other night with what they were predicting, you know, looking out in Oklahoma, some of the, they were recording 110 mile an hour winds and it wasn't supposed to hit us till the wee hours of the morning. And I was like, man, do I stay up so I can make sure that I can get my family to safety before it hits. And eventually I just had to go lay down and then... (laughs) By the time my uneasiness allowed me to sleep, it was like an hour, and then it hit, and then I was back awake because it sounded like my house, my shelter was going to come out, blow up. That blow popping up. and cracking, it makes you a little nervous. It yeah. does. <laughs> it will. It does. On the same subject, shelter, that is something that is so important to consider this time of year because there aren't a lot of leaves There are no leaves on the trees. There is hardly any vegetation in a lot of our forests. We live in this kind of high country, timber country, and it is a great time to go out to some of your hunting areas and look around because you can see everything. And if it's thick, you're going to find that the deer are using it right now, and you may not have enough of it. So it is important to consider that the deer are going through the same weather that we're going through. So are you providing them cover? Do they want to even be on your property because there's proper cover there? Is the cover that's there allowing them to even survive? Because it isn't a guarantee that these animals, even though they are amazing, are going to survive some of these really terrible weather events. Yeah, you bring up a good point. You even pointed this out to me when we were outdoors um, actually working on some of this late winter. um, What do you do in the outdoors? And there was a little spot next to our tree stand that was really thick, so thick that I couldn't even shoot an arrow through it. And you had pointed out to me, you're like, Ben, this was the spot that you couldn't even get your arrow through and look at it now. And I mean, it was just literally all falling down. Um, there really wasn't any cover. Yeah. It was pretty much gone. In, in November, you had shot an arrow into this particular spot and the weeds and, and brush, the understory was so thick that it actually caught your mm-hmm. arrow before it hit the ground. And right now it was nothing. It was bare, completely barren. As we go through the winter months, it's late winter now. We're getting into early spring. We're I guess today as we sit down and record this, it's the last day of February. So we're like three weeks away from the first day of spring technically, but we can still get winter weather here. And I know a lot of our friends and listeners up north, especially the ones in Canada, they still have a lot of winter left. Um, It's going to keep taking a toll on the environment and you have to provide cover that these deer can get in. Other animals can get in to still have food, have cover to get them through these tough times. Right. You know, you mentioned we we were out last week doing some of these projects, what we were really doing was taking down some stands, scouting for some new areas that we've never hunted before to put stands next season. Uh, I like to take care of my equipment. In the past, I've uh, hunted and taken care of properties that there were just way too many tree stands, and obviously that's subjective. You get to decide that if it's your equipment and your property. There was way too many to take them all down. But for me, if it's within your time frame, your physical abilities, if it's within your scope to take your stands down, I like to do that because they will last longer. They, they will definitely last longer. They have lifespans on them and being out in the elements is going to shorten that lifespan yeah and another thing we just talked about the storms we just talked about storms you don't know what's what tree what is happening to that tree what can happen to that tree 
Um, what other trees around the tree that you have your tree stand in, they can fall at any time. And so you really want to make sure you're taking care of equipment. And, you know, a quick story in the past, I left mine up all year, left my tree stand up year round and winds like we had just been talking about came through. Um, my tree collapsed and it ruined my tree stand, totally right. bent it up. And um, that was not wise on my part, not wise <laughs> at all. Yeah. You know, I have some tree stands on other properties that have been out there for years. And I know that when I go back to them, I've basically sacrificed whatever those stands cost to replace, at least the straps. The trees grow, so they're going to grow. And eventually over a couple of years, they're going to pop your straps. The worst are rodents. You've got mice and squirrels. And these things will chew on things just to chew on things. So at the very least, I would suggest, even if you have 100 different tree stand sets, I at the very least would suggest going and taking down your seats. Mm -hmm. Because not only will they chew on them, they love to get the foam and the stuff inside of them to take and make their own nest. They'll make their houses in them. One winter, it was about this time of year, we were going through, me and another guy, and we had, it was between 60 and 70 hunter and cameraman sets. So I'm going to say like 140 or 150 stands. And we were taking all of the cushions and seats off of all of them because they don't last very long out there in the weather. We're taking them all down to store. But because there were so many stands, we were leaving the stands up. I went up. It was a ladder stand. And I went up. And the seat back had like a strap around the back. So you flip the cushion up against the tree and then you strap it around so that the seat back stays up. And it was kind of scrunched down and had made like a little pocket between it and the tree. And as I grabbed that seat to unbuckle it and pull it out, I was like, my goodness, that's soft. Why is that soft moving? And then I realized as this little face was popping out at me that I had just grabbed hands on with a flying squirrel, which kind of cool because you don't see him all the time. You almost even forget that they're around, but I had grabbed this flying squirrel because he had made his home in this tree stand seat. And I'm sure it would have been completely annihilated by the time we got around to it late next summer or next fall to even check on it for the hunting season. There are people out there that put up a lot of tree stands. I don't know if they put up as many as you guys were running because that is a lot. But if you can take down parts and pieces of them, go for it. Many, many years ago, of the tree stands I was using, they were made of chain. So you didn't have these ratchet straps. You didn't have this webbing. It was chain. And it, and it I really felt like they were more durable. Like I could leave them up year-round. The only thing you had to watch out for was tree growth. You know, it would start growing into the tree. But with straps now, man, that makes me really nervous too. Like if I'm going to leave it up with the tree growth, with these rodents, um, are my straps going to hold? And are they going to be ready for next year also? So any kind of material that can be ruined, you might as well take it down. And, and that's that's my, my tip is yeah. go you, take it down. If you have the time and, and resources to do it, I, I suggest taking them down. If you are going to leave them up, when it comes time for next season, check every single strap before you rely on that strap literally for your life. Yeah. Um, at the very least, check the straps and adjust them. Trees grow, especially some of these softwood trees that people put their stands in. They grow, and within a couple years, you're going to have to cut that strap off to even get it off. So adjust the strap a little bit so that it's it's good for a full another season. Um, I mean, I guess, honestly, if you know that you're going to leave your stand where it's at, and you're allowed to, you're not on public land, you're, you're allowed to, to leave your stand there all year, then the last day that you're hunting, you could probably pull off and, and really finish it up, right. right? For us, though, 
we weren't we weren't sure when our last day was gonna be, and we we tried to hunt all the way to the last day of season, but um, just didn't work out for us. But and you know, you brought up a good point because you said private land. I didn't even think public land hunters any place that you have stands up that they they have to be removed. You're not supposed, supposed to leave them up. Supposed yeah. to you and I, we just went to public land. Yeah, we we saw two tree stands. One was a climber, and one was a ladder. Yeah, that somebody had definitely. But by rule, by law, you are supposed to remove them when the season's over. They're not supposed to be left out there. Um, another piece of equipment on the tree stands that, if you use it, and I recommend you should be using it. To be honest, if I'm being candid, I don't always, and that's because I can't afford as many of them as I want. Um, but that's a safe line. So that's actually a rope that goes from the top of your tree stand all the way down to the bottom. And when you're wearing your harness, you clip into that pressic knot and you're clipped in the whole time that you're climbing because going home to your family is more important than any deer that you'll ever harvest. But take those down because if you want the material in those to live up and, and be safe for several years, uh, you need to have it indoors. You need to store it indoors out of the elements I definitely recommend going through and taking all of those down. So at the very least, take your seats down the last longer, take your safe lines down, and then when it comes time for next season, check all of your straps and adjust them to that tree growth and make sure no rodents have got a hold of them. Make sure it is going to keep you safe for another year because hunting is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be scary. There's danger that comes with it inherently, but it's not really supposed to be dangerous. You're supposed to go out. Enjoy creation, harvest some meat for your family, but come home. That's the most important thing. You know, I've left a lot of those materials out that you're talking about, and I don't know why I do it. I don't know why, because the next year when I go back, I switch it out. I've rarely ever kept anything that I've left there, and even if I had, it's so destroyed I could barely use it. But another thing that I find is I call it algae. Oh, the lichen? The lichen, yeah. yes. I mean, the lichen take over. Yeah. <laughs> they totally take over all my straps and any string. You know, that's the last thing I'd say. Any any of your... Um, yeah, even your gun ropes, too. The, the ropes, yeah. I was yeah. trying to think of the name of the rope, but... Um, your pull-up ropes. Your pull-up ropes. You know, don't leave those hanging. Take them down so that you can use them again next year. Yeah. <laughs> I have left a lot of pull-up ropes out, and then I'm so uneasy using them the next year. I've had some, I walk up and I'm like, huh, it looks really good. Yeah. And then I tie something on it or I just grab it and I pull it and it, it ain't good. It breaks like so, so easy, like like it was made of paper or something. But those are all things we have to consider when we're putting these man-made materials out to, to keep us alive. Mm-hmm. And, and we're trusting these things, this equipment to keep us alive, so we should take care of it. Not to mention, as Christian outdoorsmen and stewards... I do think we have a responsibility, a Christian responsibility, to take care of the things that God has entrusted to us. And you think you might say a tree stand. If you've had the resources to get a tree stand, then yeah, God has given that to you, and you do have a responsibility to take care of it. All right. I got a moral question for you, Brian. Morale. Like morale. Is this mushroom? About to come on mushroom season? Not the morale. Oh, mor- morale. Moral. Moral. <laughs> So, you have, and I know I have, have taken um, brackets or those braces or or basically anything that you want to hang from a tree and you screw in mm-hmm. um, the accessories or steps into that tree. And so, now you've made a hole in this tree. Now, we won't talk about 
is that okay or not? Because I believe it is. So we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna go with we know that's okay. But do you take that out or do you leave those in for next year? Do you take that out? And if you do take it out, are we worried about it harming the tree? So I do take them out. However, the one of the reasons it's it is okay to use them is it's such a small thing. Most of them aren't even going deep enough into the cambium, cambium layer of the tree, the vascular tissue. And if they are, it's just a one small spot. They still have a complete cambium all the way around. But it does open them up. It's like having a wound on the tree. It opens them up to disease. But however, during this dormant season, there is not a lot of disease out there. So it is important if you're going to go take your bow hangers, your gun hangers, your backpack hangers, if you're going to go take your hooks, your tree hooks that you've screwed into the tree out to do it during the dormant season. Don't wait till March or April when the tree starts growing and flowing again to do that because that later, the later that you wait, the more susceptible you are opening that tree up to disease. So get them out early. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that's a good tip. Um, if you don't feel comfortable using anything like that, they also have straps, uh, webbing where you can They're pull like tight. Cinch straps. Cinch straps, yeah, yeah um, that you could use instead if you didn't want to uh, screw into the tree. So, One of my favorite things about going out, it, it stinks to have to go take your tree stand down. It's just a reminder that that deer season's over and you've got to wait six months till it gets here again. That's not a fun realization. Taking them down isn't really fun. It's it's work. It's not even exciting as putting them up because you're just taking it down to go put it away. You, you're hiking in, you're carrying them out. If you have to hike to them, you can't drive to them. But there is a fun part of it. You get to go look for sheds while you're doing it. <laughs> yeah. And this is such an awesome time of year to scout. I love scouting this time of year. You have deer that are grouping back up so you've got bucks getting back with bucks does they're all getting up into these larger number groups hitting these bedding areas going to food they're going to leave some pretty heavy trails you're going to get a really good picture of where these deer are using where they're at you're going to have the opportunity to go in and look at what is good bedding what isn't great bedding you're going to find new trails if you go out this time of year you also still have the opportunity to go out when there's snow and scouting when there is snow is so amazing because it doesn't hide anything. It tells us everything. Even if you find a bedding area and you see where these deer have been laying in the snow, you can tell which one are bucks and which ones are doe based on where the pee is in the bed. You can see trails. You can see where a deer walk once. It doesn't even have to be a really matted down trail. But the matted down trails look like highways. Snow is so awesome for scouting. So we're still getting snow. We're supposed to get three inches this Friday. It is a great time to go out and see where the heck these deer are spending their time. Yeah, even if there's not snow, you're still getting out when there's no ticks. There's no mosquitoes. Um, minimal bugs, if any, right? So well, we were out teaching today and the gnats were all over me. We were down on the bottom and yeah, the, the gnats kind of came out. But it was so windy that they didn't really bug you. But Until it, the wind stopped. And it still wasn't mosquitoes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> it wasn't mosquitoes. It wasn't ticks. It wasn't chiggers. We don't have to worry about those things. And we really don't even have to worry about snakes and stuff this time of year, which is awesome. You get to go out, put your full attention into the lay of the land, the topography, and what these animals are doing. Full attention into the ecology of the area that you hunt. And that is going to make you a better woodsman when it does come hunting season. As far as being out and about, getting the lay of the land, getting an idea of what these animals are doing, getting your tree stands down. It's also a good time if you want to uh, 
scout new places for stands. You can even move sets. If you're going to leave some of these sets out there, go ahead and, and move them right now because you're not disturbing. You're not worried about uh, busting these deer off your property for next season. So if you're wanting to get into some new areas, explore some new areas, this is a great time of year to do it because it's the furthest you're going to be from next deer season. So if you have sanctuaries, I don't recommend going into sanctuaries, but if you have to or you want to just to get a better idea, some better intel on your deer herd, now is the time to do it. Again, this is the furthest from next deer season that we're ever going to be. Another thing going out at this time, when you talked about looking for new stand placement, you know, you were helping me to like, see, there's a lot of rubs through here that, you know, I hadn't seen before because it was so thick. Matter of fact, some of these areas that these deer, these mature bucks were walking through, that wasn't even my normal hiking trail. That wasn't even a path that I was taking. But now because of how open and how barren <laughs> really the the land was, I could actually walk through and, and check some of these new places out. Mm -hmm. So now is a this time of year is such an awesome time to get out and, and go look for new areas for sure. Yeah. yeah. So all the new briar growth, last year's briar growth from last growing season, anything that has thorns on it is really what I'm referring to when I say briars. It's really overlooked. But if you start paying attention to your briars, if you get in an area where you know there's a lot of deer movement, you'll start noticing all the briars around these trails and areas. The briars, the thorns are broke off of them. And that's a good sign that there are deer using and moving these areas. If you get into an area, and I've been there, it looks thick and you're like, man, this looks like a great area for deer to be using, a great area for wildlife to be moving, passing through, hiding. But every sticker bush in there has got thorns on it. They're probably not using it. They're not getting stuck and breaking these thorns off. These these plants have been dormant long enough now that their thorns are getting brittle. So as animals are making contact with them, they're going to break off. So those are little signs that you can only pick up on this time of year. So it is important to go spend time in these areas. It really is. It can help you for the next season. Outside of scouting and taking care of your tree stands, this is such an awesome time of year for, I'm going to say land managers, people that want to take care of their land, that want to steward it and make it better for next season, whether they want to have more deer, more turkey, more quail, or they just really want to take care of their land. This is an awesome time of year for that. Again, you can get out and do all of these projects. It is not 105 degrees. There are not any ticks. There are not any mosquitoes. There are not any chiggers. There's not even poison ivy leaves everywhere for you to rub into. It is an awesome time of year to get out and do some work. Blood, sweat, and tears on your land. So what are some things that you can do? And anybody who knows me, has ever been around me talking about land, knows that I hate invasive species. We've done a, I think we did a whole podcast episode. We're getting into too many episodes. I can't even remember everything that we've talked about. So I think we did an invasive species episode. Mm -hmm. I can't stand invasive species. Most people shouldn't say most people, many people don't even know all of the invasive species that they have on their land that are really limiting the potential of their land because of these species present there. So it is time to go out and take some of those on. Even if it's just cedar trees, everybody can identify a cedar tree. Get out the chainsaw, put some fuel and oil in it, get those blades sharp and start cutting down cedar trees. You're going to make better wildlife habitat by cutting cedar trees down. Hands down, there's no questions asked about it. You're going to make better habitat by cutting cedar trees down. In our area, pretty much every property that I can drive within two hours of me is going to have cedar trees on it that can and should be cut down. Can you cut a cedar tree down any time of year, at any time that you need to, to rid it? There aren't very many. 
there aren't very many good things about cedar trees. I can only think of two, and you taught me one of those, which is that the bark is awesome for starting a fire. Yes. It's great tinder. It's awesome. The second being, you can cut cedar trees down any time of year, and they will die without applying herbicide to the stump. So if you cut a cedar tree down, it will die as long as you cut below the lowest limb. So the closest limb to the ground, cut below it, that cedar tree is no more, and it feels good every time. And that's good to know for that species. So it's late winter or perhaps it's early spring. We're right there on this line. When is it too late to begin to eradicate some of these invasive species? Um, how do I know? What's a tip? It's never too late. Man. <laughs> I love it. It's never too late. There's always a way to be working towards uh, some kind of invasive species eradication plan, whether it's fire uh, or herbicide. It's never too late. I really like winter for some particular applications. Uh, like fire is a great time. There's several people around locally running fire. If you run a fire, this is considered dormant season. Now you're really going to stimulate grasses, native grass. There's a, a whole seedbed of native grasses out there. And running fire now is going to get rid of some of the invasives, get rid of some of the woody plants that don't need to be growing. And then it's going to stimulate native grasses, which we need more of. And so if you really want, are focusing on uh, some of those fowl species like uh, turkey and, and pheasants and quail, native grasses are so important. These clumping native grasses are impeccably important for, for wildlife populations that aren't doing well here. And this is a great time of year to get out and run some of those fires. You're going to have low humidity days, low wind days. It's not super hot again, so you're not risking heat stroke. Get out and run a fire, but make sure you know how to do it first. You shouldn't just go out and do it if you've never done it. Find somebody to help. You can contact experts. There are, through universities, there's online courses you can take. The state agencies will run free classes throughout the state. Mm -hmm. I know Missouri does for sure, runs mm -hmm. free classes that you can go take. Learn how to run a fire because prescribed fire is one of the most cost-effective and efficient ways to better wildlife habitat. It is incredible, incredible tool our Native Americans used it, proved that it was awesome. We should be using it today. Yeah. And another thing while we're moving invasives, so we talked about fire. We talked about, what, chainsaws cutting things down. Sometimes uh -huh. you may just have to get in with clippers, weed whackers, and just clear. But right. while you're clearing, this is also a good time to maybe make new trail. Yes. So making new trails, is, is this is an awesome time of year to do that because you, one, can really see where you want to go mm -hmm. and... Again, no ticks, no chiggers. We get out with a chainsaw and start making trails. So if there is places on your property that you wish to get to, whether by foot or four-wheeler or, or even truck, mm -hmm. this is an awesome time of year to be putting new trails and roads in, considering put considering how you want to hunt and, and your goals and objectives for your property. But this is the time of year to get out and do that for sure. This is the best time of year for me to control some of these vining creeping species like winter creeper, oh, they're, they're English ivy. There's some other ones, invasive species, that they're still foliar. You can still apply a foliar herbicide to them. They still have leaves, but nothing else does. So you can go out and apply a foliar herbicide like Roundup right now, and you're not risking killing all these desirable species because they don't have leaves. But there are some invasive species out there that if they're on your property, it's time to attack them right now while you're not damaging anything else. Now, some of these invasive species, like you're talking about any of the creepers, you can literally 
take a weed eater or scissors or clippers, and you can cut a path through this stuff. Uh-huh. Even kudzu, you can cut a path, and you'll have a path. But I'm here to tell you, it doesn't die on the left or right. Yeah. I mean, it literally stays where it's at. All you've done is just yeah, privets, honeysuckle, any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, if your property's struggling with that stuff, this is the this is such an awesome time of year to get out and take care of it. And and you will be so thankful, and your wildlife will be so thankful that you've taken care of this. All of these invasives are keeping this stuff from growing that's supposed to be growing. All the nutrients and water that is supposed to be going to our native stuff that is good for our, our wildlife, it can't grow because it's being overcompeted by these invasive species. That is what makes them invasive. It is our duty. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to go do it for you unless you pay them. But it is our duty to go out and take care of those things. It's not just going to happen. We have to take take that on. Well, and it's our responsibility from the equipment that we're using all the way down to the locations that we're using. You know, Brian and I teach a lot about leave it better than you found it. Mm-hmm. If you are on public land and, and you know, season's over, you immediately start taking your stuff down, which you're supposed to, leave it better than you found it. Try to make it look like it was before you um, ever used it. And that should be the same way with, with really any property, any time, whether you're camping, hiking, backpacking, leave it better than you found it. I left something out on fire that I, I don't want to skip over, and that is thinking forward. So if you are planning to run fire, prescribed fires on your property in the summer, a growing season burn, which is going to be stimulating forbs rather than grasses and forbs are those, those broadleaf plants that make up the majority of a deer and turkey's diet. It's so important to have these. Growing season burns are important, but right now putting in fire lines is so much easier than putting in fire lines in August when you're trying to run a growing season burn. You may have to touch them up. You always want to relook at a fire line before you run a fire, but putting them in now, again, when it's not hot, there's not ticks, there's not chiggers, you're able to see. Put your fire lines in now, even though it may be six, seven months before you actually use them. But this is a great time to put them in. It's actually safer now to put them in and they'll be ready to go when you get the conditions right in August to do a growing season burn. There are a couple things on the land management side that I really want to bring up. And one is frost seeding. Clover is an amazing tool for supplemental food plots. It grows such a mass amount of tonnage in a small area. Honestly, it's pretty easy to grow. Uh, kind of hard, maybe a little bit difficult to maintain and make sure that this, these perennial stands come back year after year. But if you have an area that you're wanting to put in a food plot, clover is a great, great option. If you are already a food plotter and you have diversity of different kinds of food plots, clover should make up about 10% of, of your total acreage of food plots. This is a great, I think the best time of year to get that in. Frost seeding is the process of allowing the last few freeze and thaw cycles of the year before spring comes to pull the seed, these tiny clover seeds into the ground and make great seed to soil contact. So if you have a little bit of snow or there's, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks of of freezing and thawing left to go in your area, get that clover seed out in the ground, those areas that you want it to grow and let those natural processes of freezing and thawing do the work of getting high germination rates by getting good seed to soil contact. Secondly, TSI, or Timber Stand Improvement. This is a great time of year for that. If you go out into a timber stand on your property or whatever property you hunt, maybe it's a lease, maybe it's family land, wherever it is, look at some of your timber stands. If you can look through there, and there is hardly anything on the ground, hardly anything is grown, if you can walk through there during the summer and throw a tennis ball 20 feet and still see the tennis ball, 
it's not healthy. It is not good wildlife habitat. This is a great time of year to get in there and do TSI. What you want to do is you want to find less desirable tree species, things like maples or, or hickories or honey locusts, these species that the saplings, sassafras, sumac, their saplings are everywhere. They're starting to pull sap as we get close to spring. So this is a good time to go through with a chainsaw, start cutting some of these less desirable species, treating the stumps with herbicide, and opening up your canopy. So look up at where some of, you, some of these big oak trees are, and then in between them there may be hickories or even cedars, and they're closing the canopy so no sunlight is reaching the ground in your forest. Cut those less desirables out. You're going to put cover and woody browse down for your deer to get them through these last several tough months. And then you're going to allow that sunlight to come through in the spring and all these awesome native forbs and grasses are going to start to grow up. So now you have native natural food to go through the spring and summer months without even planting food plots. There's more to it, but even what I'm sharing can kind of be overwhelming because fire is scary. Where do I burn? How do I make fire lines? How do I identify some of these species that are invasive that I need to get rid of? This is an awesome time of year to get the help of the experts. So there are habitat consultants across the nation, and this is the best time to hire them. They can come to your land. They're not hunting, right? They have free time. This is con considered consulting season. This is the time for them to come to your property. They can see the lay of the land. They can scout and do all these things that you've been doing, and they're going to be able to provide you the best recommendations because they can see your land the best right now. So if you are considering spending some money and bringing in habitat consulting experts, now is the time of year to do that. So definitely do a Google search, look around, find those people uh, to come to your to come to your property and give you the best recommendations if you aren't really sure to how to go about it. Ben, moving on to gear, we've already mentioned earlier that it's important to take care of your gear. As outdoors men and women, like the stuff that we use, it takes a beating. From our clothes to our shoes to our vehicles even, uh, whether we're using four-wheelers, motorcycles, bikes, our trucks, the places that we drive them, our guns, our bows, our arrows, all of our gear. But not everything takes a beating. And if you want it to last and you want to take good care of it, as I think we all should, this is the time of year to dive in, do the work, get it ready for next season. Also, Keep it organized and keep it put in a keep keep it organized and keep it put away because when it comes time for next season, I have done this so many times. I'm like, I will remember that that's there. I'll remember that's there. I'll remember why I did that. It's only six months. Here comes next season. I can't remember anything. I have no idea where that pair of pants is. I have no idea where those boots are. I can't even remember if I washed my clothes and I put them away. So it is so important to almost put in the SOP, put mm -hmm. a standard operating procedure in for how you take care of your gear. Do that every year so that when the next season comes around, you know you're ready. Clean all your rifles, put them away properly, clean and gun and put gun oil on them, put them away so that you know when you grab them next season, they're functional, they're ready to go. They don't have pitting in them because they've rusted. You, you took the time and you took care of them. I'll be honest. I know some people that like cleaning guns. They enjoy it. I hate it. I hate it. I want to shoot them. I don't want to have to clean them, but I do make myself do it before I put them in my gun safe because I don't want to have to go buy another expensive shotgun or rifle or, or black powder, whatever it is that I'm using, just because I didn't take the 30 minutes to take good care of it. Right. You know, this time of year, 
Brian said it's February 28th. This is actually a time when a lot of our sports stores, especially Walmart, starts putting all of their hunting stuff on sale. Dirt like, cheap, right? It's now. dirt cheap. It's yeah. like 50% off. And that's what I was trying to say earlier in regards to your soaps, like whatever you're washing your clothing in, it's like 50% off on a lot of those products. And I'm empty. So now is the time to stock up, get ready for next year. Yeah. You know, uh, saw arrows were on sale, gloves, uh, scent wafers, hand warmers. They just, a lot of the items that, that people are looking for, start of the season, you know, right now is a great time to buy them because they don't go bad. They, Even ammo. If you could yeah. go get ammo right now when, when everybody else isn't trying to buy it, it it's such an awesome awesome thing to go do because you aren't going to be competing with the other 10 million hunters in the United States that want 270 ammo. You know, Brian actually is talking about an SOP and maybe even having just a list in a box somewhere of all the steps and all the things you need to do. You know, it is important because we do have dominion over creation. We have responsibility over really all the things that we own. We've been given those gifts, those items, those things to to take care of and to use responsibly. And so we should be cleaning and we should be taking care of them. But on February 28th, especially here in Missouri, this date sticks out in my mind every single year because this is the last day that I can use my fishing and small game hunting license. Yes, It's over after this. And so when we talked about SOP, maybe this is the day for you every 28th of February, every single year, maybe the day that you pick, that you put on your calendar, you put it in your phone, that you sit down and actually create your next year's lists and cleaning and prepping and doing all that you need to do. Because the tip of my, of the day right now is don't forget to buy your hunting and fishing license after today because majority of the states in the United States have to renew about this time of year. Yeah, and it's kind of a hard thing to remember because it is two months into the year. It's mm-hmm. not an end of a, end of a fiscal year thing. But if you go out and hunt and fish from now on, which we're going to be, you've got to renew that license so that you're you're legal the rest of the year. And whoops, I forgot isn't usually a good excuse when Mister <laughs> Green Jeans it's, comes along. It's not an excuse. <laughs> no, that won't fly. I promise you. No. So you've, we've got our license. We've got, we've got mo- all our stands and stuff down for the year. Some other things that you can be doing, one for me is thinking ahead on that scent control. You have all your clothes that you're going to be using. I like to keep my turkey hunting clothes and my deer hunting clothes separate. One, cattle camo patterns are a little different. Uh, you're going to have more of those those spring greens in your turkey hunting camo. So get your turkey hunting stuff out. Get it separate. Get your deer hunting stuff that you've been using, all your fall hunting stuff. Get it cleaned up now. You don't want it to set with bacteria and moisture and mold and do any of this stuff, whether it's in a tub or you keep it in your house, I recommend, this is how I take care of my stuff, I get it all clean with a scent-free clothes washing detergent, and I put it back into its own dedicated tub. I get it all folded and put away, and then I store it out of my house, out of my garage. I actually put it in my attic. I want to keep it away from the smells of the garage, the way from the smells of the house. I want to keep it away from my animals. I put all of those in a sealed tub, and that's where they'll stay till next year. And I don't get any of it out. Even the wool socks, I put all of my hunting stuff together into these tubs. Even my boots have their own tub. I get them all cleaned up. I get them all sprayed down and washed. And once they're dry, I put them in these tubs so that when it comes time for next hunting season, when that first trip comes, I grab those tubs, I throw them in my truck, and I know I'm good to go. I don't have to go looking for my long underwear. I don't have to go looking for my socks. 
I don't have to go looking for my winter coat and my bibs. They're in the tub. I know they're there. We're ready to go. I'll tell on my grandpa, but one time we went out. <laughs> oh, I think I know where this story's going. This is we good. got all the way out to Colorado. <laughs> we got our tubs out. Started getting ready for the next morning hunt. <laughs> and my grandpa took two left boots. <laughs> it was the only pair of boots he took, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they were both for left feet. You know, I don't know why he bought it. <laughs> Two sets of the same boots, but he did. But, uh, yeah, he ended up having to wear <laughs> two left boots. He pulled it off. He made it work. But if he would have just prepped, just take that, you know, you said 30 minutes. Maybe it takes two, three hours to do all this. Pick one day to do it. Get it all done. And you'll be thankful that you did. Yeah. On the archery side, that's a- another area that we really need to take care of and think of next year. Some people continue shooting because they are going to use their archery equipment here for turkey season. I'm under I'm one of those crazy people. I'm under the belief that <laughs> turkeys are meant to be killed with shotguns. So I don't bust the bow and arrow out for them. I like to go bust them with shotguns. So I my shotguns are ready from last season just like my my deer rifles will be ready after this deer season. There is some stuff we can do to our archery equipment to make sure that it's ready to go. And the number one thing that I always, always do, and I see so many people make this mistake. They put their bows away without waxing their strings. Mm. They pull that thing out the mm-hmm. next year, and it is nappy. It looks like somebody that just woke up out of bed and didn't brush their hair. Wax those strings. Those strings have been out in the elements. The moisture has been sucked out of them. Get them good and waxed before you put your bows away. I like to clean my bow. Just take like a damp cloth and clean it all off. Uh I like to go through with an Allen wrench and make sure everything is tight. From my sights, I like to knock on both ends and make sure there's no vibrations. Again, I want to put my stuff away in a working condition. I know it's going to be ready to go when I pull it out the next year. Maybe it's selfish, but I'm so excited when the next hunting season comes around, whether it's spring or fall, whatever it is, that I want my gear to be ready because I don't even want to have to think, what do I have to do with this to mm-hmm. use it? I want to grab it and go do it. When it's to time to start dialing in the bow, I'm like, I get, I'm getting my bow out. Let's go shoot. I don't want to have to think about, now were all my pins set where I wanted them to be last year? Put it away set. If you had a pin that you wanted to adjust from last season, man, that pin didn't just really play out how I wanted it to. Get it dialed in and then put it away. Don't let those things rest till next year. One, you're not going to remember the way things happened from last year. It's not going to be as clear to you if you remember it at all. And three, you are going to be ready to shoot when it's time to shoot. You know, you're talking about compound. You know, when it comes to a recurve, when it comes to a long bow, it is good to actually take it down, take your string out. You know, some guys will actually stand them up. If you're looking at a recurve bow, you can get twisting in that. So you really need to hang them up, hang them up at the curves on the limbs. But um, it is good for you to take your string down, let your bow rest, they don't need to be strong and, and under that pressure all year long. So, yeah, it's a, such a great time to, to let your equipment rest yep. um, to be ready for next year, next season. And store them properly. Mm-hmm. I, I try to store them out of areas, again, light, temperature changes, and moisture. So kind of a consistent temperature place, whether it's in your basement, someplace that's not wet. Store them in the dark, out of the wet. And they're gonna last. They're gonna last longer. Uh, you're gonna get more length or more time out of your bowstring. You're gonna get more time out of really even if you like the way your bow looks. 
it will look better for longer because you're not going to get any sun fading. Don't just hang it up in your garage or something and, and think it's going to come back and be like it was when you left it. Store it properly. Store it in a dark place that's protected. If you're storing guns and bows, guys, make sure you're storing them away from kids. Mm -hmm. Kids should not have access to any of these things. Lock them up. Lock them up. We're responsible for that, not the kids. Uh, that is a, a something that in our neck of the woods, you know, to be honest, I grew up with access to guns at any point in time. But as we go through today's culture, um, we teach kids less and less the responsibilities of gun ownership. And we see so much weaponizing of guns and bows that people begin to lose sight that they're tools and not weapons. And these kids are so moldable that they get these pictures and we don't even really know that they've got these pictures. So teach your kids about them, but it's still our responsibility to lock them up properly. Give yourself that peace of mind. Um, think about other kids and other parents as well. Give them that peace of mind. Gun ownership is such an awesome privilege that we have here in the United States. Don't abuse it. Firearms are safe when used correctly. And if you have firearms in your home, it is your responsibility to teach your kids. So do it now. Do it under your voice, with your instructions, so that they know your expectations. And they'll love you and respect you for it. And when they get big enough, they can use them too. And you guys can go out and hunt together and have a, an awesome experience. Absolutely. You know, this time of year, um, I don't personally enjoy doing all these things. I don't enjoy the cleanup and putting everything away. I don't enjoy it. But where I can find some joy is, is that I know that fishing is almost here. <laughs> and so I quickly get done all of these chores that I need to get done on the hunting world so that I can start pulling out my fishing equipment, getting my rods prepped up, getting my boxes set. I'm getting giddy just sitting here thinking about it because right now it's, it's on that line that you know, our fall's over, our winter's about over, and spring is near. And so, yeah, get get those chores done. Get your late winter stuff set. Get it all finished up so that you have the time to really get out in that spring to get some fishing and spring turkey. Yeah, spring turkey season's right around the corner, too. Goodness, on the way to church on Sunday, Ben, I saw five different groups of gobblers. And by the time I got to church, I was like, man... Lord, give me the strength to pay attention to your word today because I'm thinking about paintbrushes dragging the ground. Right? I know. Well, and that that stretchy neck you get, like, <laughs> you've got to watch the road, Brian. <laughs> it's crazy, no, though. There, it's it's upon us. There's wildlife to see. The road is secondary. The road is secondary. <laughs> I probably drive my family nuts. As a matter of fact, I know, I know that I do. At the end of the day, you probably have cabin fever like we do. We've just given you so many things that you can be out doing. Don't put them all on your list. Pick one for this year and one maybe for next year. It is hard to get out and do all those land management items at one time, in one year. You may not even have the help or the resources to do it. Definitely take care of the gear that you do have. It's a blessing to you. God has given you the resources, or maybe people have gifted some of it to you. Take care of the gear you have, from the boots, the camo, the guns, the bows. Take care of all that stuff. Get it put away properly so that you can use it again next season. Show other people. Pass it on. If you have kids or nieces and nephews, grandkids, whatever it is, pass on these processes, these things, how you go about your business of being an outdoorsman, pass it on to the next generations so that they can do it the right way when they come of age. You know, I really enjoy being outdoors, so I love getting out and doing some of these projects, but you, again, you don't have to do them all. 
We just ask that you go outdoors. Invite mm-hmm. somebody to go out with you. If you have questions about any of these things, we really kind of just touch the tip of the iceberg on them. We didn't dive in depth. Some of these topics we could do a whole podcast or a whole podcast series on. If you want to ask some of these biology questions, some of these land management questions, please reach out to us. We're not going to charge you. We'd be so thrilled that you're even asking us. We would love to help walk you through some of those things. The best way to reach out to us is going to be through Facebook, Instagram, or you can email us at m2boutdoors at gmail.com. Whatever platform that you're listening to the podcast on, please hit the automatic download and subscribe button. Also, please leave us a review. We love hearing back from people about what they enjoy or what they don't enjoy. It helps us move up the charts as well so other people will listen and our podcast is going to grow. We're just so thankful to all the people that have been supporting us thus far. We are going to be back on Tuesday with another episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. But as always, between now and that time, we hope that you find time to get outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.